Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. It is Super Bowl Sunday. You can go to the first slide. That'd be fine. Um, And then the next slide. There you go. Um, It is Super Bowl Sunday. And so therefore, I figure we should talk about some people that are absolutely top-notch, top of their field. I'm getting some shaking heads, so I'm just not going to look in that direction. Um, <laughs> now, this is just going by stats. I'm not saying he's my favorite player. He definitely is not. But this is Tom Brady. You can't argue with the fact that he's won seven Super Bowls in ten appearances. He's the top in many statistical categories, passing yards, passing completions, touchdowns, just to name a few. But then you have the next person, Simone Biles. Uh, She's tied for the most decorated Olympian of all time. She holds many records, actually more records than any other gymnast, and has the most world titles. And she's actually even been penalized by judges for attempting and completing maneuvers that they deem too difficult or dangerous because no one else but her can do them. She's just head and shoulders, not in height, but in her achievements above everyone else. The next person, Marie Curie, people have heard the name. She dealt with radiation, and she actually isolated the radium, um, the most radioactive element known at the time in 1902. She developed mobile x-rays. She won two Nobel Prizes, one in 1902 with her husband, and then another one after he died in 1911, based on her work with chemistry. And then you have Garrett Gasly, um, has worked for K2 Insulation for 17 years. Um, He's insulated hundreds of attics. Um, He can do cardboard origami like no one else. And he can run a pneumatic stapler with absolute precision. But on a more serious note, then we have Maggie Jo Weaver, grandmother of four, She attended Northern Michigan University and graduated with a degree in accounting, which she's been using for the last 24 years, being the accountant for her family business. You can go to the next slide. All of these people are at the top of their respective fields. They've trained hard, they've worked hard, and they've been rewarded for everything they've done, whether you like them or not. They have been rewarded, and they are among the best. But today we're going to take a different look at what is truly valuable in an eternal sense in this world. And so we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And I don't know if anyone... I forgot to... Also, I forgot to put a sign on the, the tables back there to please grab one. Um, I do not care if you get up in the middle of, of me speaking and grab one if you'd like, or I can just tell you everything at the end if you'd like one. But let's stand together as we read God's word, Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. 
For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we praise you this morning because of your Son, because of the freedom that we have in Christ because of his sacrifice for us. This morning I just ask, that you speak to every one of us this morning through your word, and that your word can speak to us. And we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Paul is writing to the Philippians. Now, the Philippians have been actually a good example of faithful Christians. They have proclaimed the gospel in face of all opposition. And so therefore, most of Paul's letter is encouraging and is full of praise and compliments. But yet, Paul still wants to warn them about a few traps that they may encounter. And one of those is he knew there were still people that wanted to distort the gospel and make it all about whether or not you follow the law to the letter. And he also knew how easy it was to boast about your accomplishments, boast about your resume, so to speak. And so on your fill-in-the-blanks, if you, if you have one, I have some key points from the passage, but then I have action points that I feel we should engage in what we should do because of what the Scripture teaches us. But let's look at verses 4 through 6. This is Paul's resume, so to speak. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul, like Tom Brady, was at the top of multiple categories. I mean, you look at him, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was in the same tribe as the first king of Israel, Saul. He was a Benjamite. So was Paul. So he had that, he had that background to look at. And he had the zeal to persecute the church when he was a Pharisee 
to persecute them because he saw their blasphemy and he went above and beyond to be the best persecutor of the church there was. And when it came to living out that law, as it says, he was blameless. So his resume, when it comes from the worldly, worldly standards, was absolutely flawless. Yet, here's our first fill-in-the-blank for today, our first fact. There is no eternal worth in earthly accomplishments. That's a tough one. I know that's a tough one. All, everything that we've strived for in life, everything that we have gained, all the schooling we've done, to say there's no earthly worth in those things is a, is a big blow. Part of the reason that I brought up Maggie, and you can go to the next slide, in uh, the introduction, um, actually, no. I don't think I have another slide. Sorry. Um, Part of the reason that I brought up Maggie this morning earlier was because of her understanding of accounting and her understanding of how numbers work. Because when I look at this passage in Philippians, I can't help but picture a giant ledger. Where on the left side, you have all the things that are counted as negative, that bring the balance down into the red. And then on the right side, you have everything that can bring the balance back up into the black, positive. And Paul flips this on its end. Every single thing that he just listed, his resume, so to speak, he puts in the loss column. The fact that I can play trumpet, red. The, I mean, Boeing is amazing with computers, but, but Paul would have just put that in the red column. Now, I want you to realize I'm not saying that those talents or any of those things are bad. Those come from God. Our talents, our gifts, our passions all come from God. We simply need to keep in mind and keep in perspective who those gifts come from. And that we should be glorifying God with those gifts. And so therefore, our action point for today, or for this, don't brag about earthly accomplishments. Brag about Jesus. And it's right there in verse 3 on the next slide. We are to glory in Jesus. Other versions say, boast in Jesus. Let's look, take a look at verses 7 and 8. This is Paul's motivation. He said, But whatever gain I had, all those things that he just listed, his resume, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul's motivation for counting all those things as loss is for the sake of Christ, for the kingdom of Christ. He wants to see Christ glorified and honored. But look at that phrase, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing Christ not only cancels out everything in the red, 
But there's that word again, surpasses. It is greater than everything that we put in that column. Fact number two on your sheet. There is surpassing worth in knowing Christ. Take a moment to consider that phrase one more time. We're not describing a race, a sprint, where someone might start off and the other person passes them, and then you get to the finish line and that person has won. That person is greater than that person in the race. No, this surpassing is talking about always, forever. Knowing Christ is always greater. The winner of the Super Bowl tonight, hopefully the Rams, will be the greatest team in the NFL until next year. And the same thing will repeat every single year. In the worldly terms, things are temporary. But knowing Christ surpasses, is greater than every other pursuit across human civilization, past, present, and future. And so the fact, our action point for this is that we should strive to know Jesus more and more. The end more is absolutely necessary. I'm implying to infinity. We need to keep knowing Jesus more and more and more and more. There's never an end because we will never completely know Jesus on this earth. We can always know Jesus more than we did yesterday. And we should always strive to know Jesus more and more. And I would be remiss if I didn't say, how can we do that? I could just breathe by this and say, you need to know Jesus more and more. Well, how do we do that? We do that by studying his word. This is, the Bible is his word. And in it we can study his very life and his very gospel and actions that he himself, while he was alive on this earth, performed. We can meditate on his word. We can listen to the Holy Spirit. Any of us in this room who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, have the Holy Spirit residing in us. And he guides us every single day. He brings the word to life. He brings it back to mind. We listen to the Holy Spirit. That's the same Spirit that flowed through Jesus Christ on this earth. And if we pray, we pray to God, These are ways that we can know Jesus more and more and more. Let's look at the second half of verses 8 and 9 this morning. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So Paul not only counts it as loss, but he counts it as rubbish. Why such an attitude change? Remember, if you look in Acts, Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisee. He wanted nothing more than to persecute the church and be the absolute best at it. Until he was blinded on the road to Damascus, that would have been at the top of his resume. I was the best persecutor of the church that ever lived. 
I persecuted like none other. But now, what, what is this change of attitude? Why? It's to gain Christ and be found in him. The two go hand in hand. We gain Christ, we gain the freedom that he gives from death, his joy when we belong to him. And Paul suffered this loss, it says. This was not easy for Paul. This was a sacrifice to change his very way of thinking from putting all of his value and worth on those things he'd accomplished to following Christ is a radical change. Take a moment to think of your greatest achievement, maybe valedictorian or maybe 2019 church softball league champions. Rubbish. Now again, there is nothing bad with any of those things. But that's not where our worth, our eternal worth comes from. So fact number three on the back side of your pages When we are found in Christ, we have everything we need. As I read Maggie's resume text that she sent me, she told me about her role as daughter, mother, wife, grandmother, and her joy of traveling the country with her husband Jerry. But what tied it all together, and what I left out of the introduction, was that she started her walk with Jesus on March 8, 2019, the most important day of her life. She has gained everything by gaining Christ. And I guarantee you that she sees her accomplishments, her life with her family, through the eyes of her relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what it's all about. She can take even greater joy in the time she spends with family, in the work that she does because of her relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the action point is put your whole life in Jesus' hands. We know that we are found in Jesus, can be found in Jesus by someone else when we have given everything to him when our life revolves around his will and his kingdom. Do I say that, standing up here, that every waking moment of every single day, my life perfectly revolves around Jesus? Absolutely not. I am a flawed human being. Made right by God but I'm still flawed. So I'm not up here saying that if, you, if all of your lives don't revolve around Christ every single day in perfect orbit, never getting off, no. But that should be our goal. And Paul keeps adding to this goal in verse 9, where he says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Remember when Paul was giving his resume, he said that he was, in terms of righteousness under the law, he was blameless. 
Well, you can throw that out. He was talking from the world's point of view because I guarantee you he was not blameless in God's eyes. None of us, sorry to say this, if any of us tried to live out the law, none of us would make it. None of us would be good enough. We can't do it. It's not possible. We can only be right in God's eyes, seen as right because of our faith in Christ. And that's number four on your sheet. We are accepted by God. We are allowed to be part of his family because of our faith in Christ. This is not an isolated statement by Paul in this letter. He says it many times in his letters. In Romans 3, verses 27 and 28, for example, he says, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. When we are justified, we are seen as if we never sinned. We are seen as right by God. And you should see a theme here. It's not about me. It's not about me and what I can do. Because I'm, I'm actually pretty run-of-the-mill. Compared to Jesus, I'm not really that special. I can hit a softball every once in a while when the pitch is made to me. I'm, I'm really nothing great. So that really won't get me anywhere. And so the action point is... Let your faith in Christ do the talking. It's not about anything that you've done, but about God's grace and mercy for you. Finally, let's look at verses 10 and 11 today. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul's wish is pretty simple. He wants to be raised up at the end with Christ when he returns. And he knew that that meant he would need to have faith in Christ for that to happen. But he also wanted to know the power of his resurrection, which uh, I'm not going to go into a ton on that because you could do sermon series about the power of the resurrection how we're released from the chains of, that sin have on our lives, how we gain an inheritance into his eternal kingdom. You could go on and on and on about the power of his resurrection. But remember when Pastor Jeff in December was speaking, he mentioned that quite often we throw around the phrase, my cross to bear, just kind of lightly. It's like, you know, no big deal, it's just my cross to bear. And I do agree that we say that phrase way too lightly. Do I know Christ? 
the suffering that he took for me, his disciples did to an extent. His apostles did. They embraced the chance to suffer for Christ, to bring glory to Christ. And Paul knew that if he was to be found in Christ, that meant that suffering naturally came with the territory. Because that's how Christ would be revealed in him. And so therefore, number five, we know Christ fully by sharing in his sufferings. It'll be hard sometimes. Look at the first chapter of Philippians, verses 20 and 21. This is the same letter. He says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I'll not be at all ashamed, but that, will, that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He knew that it would take all the courage he had to live faithfully for Christ, no matter what kind of opposition he faced, to live out the gospel, no matter what. Because it would have been easier for him to just at any moment be with Christ. That's easier. That's that's a total gain for him. That's in the gain column. He's going to be with Christ. But the harder part was to live through anything for Christ. And so our action point, our last action point, is to honor Christ by persevering. There's a phrase that keeps running through this passage, for his sake, for Christ's sake. We count everything as loss for his sake. In Monday Night Bible Study, Roy has been leading us through the book of James. And right away, after James says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, the very first thing he says in verses 2 and 3 of the first chapter is, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. We are doing it for Christ. We persevere through it all for Christ. If anything has stuck out from my chattiness this morning, hopefully it's this. Knowing Jesus is the most worthy thing we can focus on. It's the most worthy pursuit we can have in this life. For our end goal, it's definitely my end goal, is to be resurrected with him when he returns. To be found in him. Don't get me wrong. I'll welcome him with open arms, even if he comes before the Super Bowl. But when I die, I want to be found in him. I want to have given all of my life to serving him, suffered everything and persevered through everything for him, read his word, prayed, meditated to know him. Just like that Circa 2000 Sonic Flood song, I want to know you. I want to know you more. So be a good steward of the gifts and talents that God has given you. Cultivate them. Let the Holy Spirit mold you into the image of Christ that you were meant to be. 
but give him the glory for everything that he's given you and strive to know Jesus more and more. And as I pray, I'm going to ask the the worship team to come forward one last time. As we sing about this Jesus that we would give everything for, and should give everything for, let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, I stand here humbled this morning because I do not feel worthy of your love for me and your love for us. And yet you gave up everything by sacrificing your son for us. And he loves us more than anything we can possibly imagine. And so I ask, as we sing and worship you, that we do so because we want to give our entire lives to you. And so help us to do that and bless our day. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.